Okay, so somebody grab your Bible this morning and open it to Joshua chapter 3. We are in the middle of a series of messages in the book of Joshua, and I don't know about you, but I'm really excited about these messages and what they mean to us, what they mean to us individually, what they mean to us corporately as a church. I hope you got a chance to pray for our community all week and to just pray that that Rahab prayer of just saying, we want all of our city and everyone we know to have faith like Rahab does in Jesus Christ. And um, it's been really fun. It's been really great. And um, I want to talk this morning about something that I believe is very, very important for us that we notice in Joshua chapter 3, and that is to claim your victory. You and I have victory in Christ. It's already ours. But you have to claim it. You have to make it your own. It's similar to winning the lottery. Has anybody ever won the lottery? Okay, we didn't see a tie check from somebody that won the lottery, so we were were pretty sure that wasn't the case. But um, if you ever win the lottery, then what are you required to do? You're required to claim your winnings. You can't just assume that they know who you are. You have to go down to their office or you have to make a phone call and you have to tell them your winning numbers and they have to match it up and then you get to claim your winnings and prove that you're a winner. Well, what we're looking at in Joshua is the Israelites kind of had a lotto ticket too. Their lotto ticket was their homeland, was having a homeland that God had given them and now they're starting this process in chapter 3 of claiming their prize, claiming their victory. And you and I have also been given a winning lottery ticket. It's called salvation in Jesus Christ. It's our winning lottery ticket. Now, what's even more amazing about our salvation in Jesus Christ is that we didn't even have to pay for the ticket. God did that part too. Not only did he pay for the ticket, But we also become winners in Christ. And the benefits of our salvation in Christ far exceed financial wealth or physical possessions, far exceed any piece of property on this rock. And just like the Israelites, we need to claim our victory in Christ. Now, what we'll see is that the Israelites are entering the land. They're getting ready to claim their victory. But the victory is already theirs, isn't it? Remember what Rahab said last week? Rahab Rahab said to the spies, the Lord has given you this land. It's a future tense word. She's declaring prophetically already that this land is yours. They weren't having to come into it or do things for it. What she's saying is it's already yours. You should realize that. But the Israelites did have some issues in the way of their victory. They had the Jordan River in the way. They have Jericho in the way. And they have lots of people living in their homeland that frankly, and we'll look at this later, live very evil lives and do somewhat very despicable things towards one another. And the same is true for us. We all have problems that get in the way of our victory too. That's why chapter 3 is very important. The parting of the Jordan River in chapter 3 is very significant. You'll remember that God parted the Red Sea for the Israelites about 
42 years ago previous to this point. The parting of the Red Sea gave them victory over their past. But the parting of the Jordan River is giving them victory over their future. Both required them to take steps of faith and participate in the victory and walk through the sea. And so today I want us to look at several things that we can do to claim our victory like the Israelites did in Joshua chapter 3. So look at Joshua chapter 3 with me. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation uh, because there were some significant phrases in this version that I thought would be helpful for us. So verse 1, Joshua chapter 3. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Achaia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, Lift up the ark of the covenant and lead the people across the river. So they started out and went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, Today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you, just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So Joshua told the Israelites, Come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites ahead of you. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, as soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up at a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. What another amazing miracle that God did for his people. And they are getting ready to claim their victory. And one of the things that I noticed right away is their first step. The first step to claiming their victory or the first step to claiming 
your victory is to purify yourself. The first thing that they were told to do before they even did anything else was to purify themselves. Verse 5, Joshua said, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Now let me start with a, a clarification about purity because I want to make sure that something isn't miscommunicated. When we begin to talk about purifying ourselves as believers, we're not talking about that point of salvation because you and I don't have to clean ourselves up to believe in Jesus. We don't have to get ourselves right. We don't have to purify ourselves. We can be in the deepest, darkest, most horrible moment of our life and cry out to Jesus and say yes to him, and he immediately comes into our life and says, let's be in relationship. So I, wanna, I want to understand that what we're talking about is, is this process of life in Christ that you and I continue to walk in and which Joshua is telling the people of God in the Old Testament here that has always been a part of the relationship with God, and that is that we're called to purify ourselves. We're called to live in purity. That's part of our walk with Christ. The Israelites, they already have this relationship with God, but they're getting ready to live in an expanded form of victory, in an enlarged form of victory. And so before you take another step into victory, you must enter into purification. And when you and I want to claim victory over defeated areas of our lives, it will also require an additional effort of purity in that area of your life. And all of us have areas of our life that don't glorify the Lord, and that will require some purity. When we want to break a stronghold or get free of an addiction or remove a sin habit, it will require some extra work on our part to purify ourselves for those things. But there's good news. You're not alone in that battle because the Holy Spirit is right there with you. The Holy Spirit is right there with you, his presence and his power to walk you through every single step and to walk you through becoming even more mature in Christ and to claim your victory. Now, there's two parts to claiming your victory. Every single time you and I choose to become a little more mature and claim victory in another area of our life, there will always be God's part and our part. Now, the good news is God's already done his part, amen? He already did his part. He went to the cross for us. And Jesus died on the cross for our victory. But our part is like what Joshua said. Our part is walking in purity. Because when you and I begin to walk in purity in every area of our life, that's when we truly get to see the victory become a reality. See, living a pure life is the victory Jesus died for. Living a pure life or a life of purity is living a victorious life. And the more we live life obeying God's word, the more we will live in victory. Look at this understanding from Colossians 1. This verse will be on the screen for you. Colossians 1, 21 to 23. It says, once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight 
without blemish, and free from accusation. Then verse 23, the first word is one I'm not so, not so sure I really like, but it's there anyway, right? If, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Now, this verse is great because it shows us God's part and it tells us our part. God's part was this. We, we were just doing our own thing, living our own life. And did you notice that uh, we become an enemy of God in our mind and it gets connected to our behavior? Did you notice that in verse 21? That's exactly what happens. We think something that's not in accordance with God's word and is a philosophy of man or a sin of the world and it gets connected to our behavior. It, it becomes our actions and we become to live a sinful life. But, but verse 22 says, but in Christ, we were reconciled with God. Now, how did we come to this reconciliation with God? Well, we actually celebrated it with communion this morning. The way we became reconciled with God was through his physical body. And not only his physical body of life, but his physical body of death that his physical body died so that you and I could be holy. And then he says this great phrase, without blemish, so completely pure and free from accusation. But then 23 says, this is your part if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. So many times, though, have you noticed that we live in accusation and living, instead of living free from it? And we end up in a defeated state instead of in a victorious state. And what I want to remind you of this morning is that Jesus Christ's physical body through death has made you pure, has made you holy, and you are now clean in Christ, and you are now free from accusation, and you can now claim that in your life as you continue in your faith. The Israelites technically had a promised land, and it was already theirs. God had given it to them. God had given it to Abraham hundreds of years before, but now they are in the process in Joshua chapter 3 of claiming that promise for themselves. The same is true for you. When Jesus died on the cross, everything that was in your life that didn't glorify him, that was dark and evil and sinful, was all paid for on the cross. It's now up to you to continue in your faith and to claim victory over those, over those things because technically Jesus has set you free. All you have to do is claim your freedom. You'll need to fight the good fight of your faith You'll need to walk out of some strongholds and some unbelief to live in all that the Holy Spirit has for you. But the first step to walking out these things that defeat us is purifying ourselves. Purifying ourselves from the sins that so easily entangle us in this world. This is similar to someone removing an addiction from their life. I'm always so proud to see someone 
remove an addiction from their life, whether it's alcohol or drugs or pornography or bad language or whatever the addiction might be. Uh, you know, Seahawks fan. Anything, it could be anything in your life. But here's what's interesting. If you're going to remove those things from your life, what's the first thing you have to do? Well, you got to stop drinking. I mean, that's step one. You have to purify yourself. And then you might have to stop going to bars and liquor stores, right? That's another step of purity. You might even have to stop some of the relationships that you've been in that have always been centered and focused around alcohol. And that's another step of purity. And to remove that addiction, you'll have to go through one after another after another of those moments of purification. These are all steps to purify yourself from an addiction, a bad habit, a sinful lifestyle. But after you've begun your life of purity, you're, you're ready to step into your victory. Once you've started that mental understanding and that spiritual vigor of purity, you're ready to step in to your victory. Look at verse 8 and verse 13 with me. The priests step into the victory for the people of God. In verse 8, it said, give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Verse 13, the priests will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. See, in this moment, as the priests stepped out into the river, not only were they just stepping out into the river, they were stepping out into their victory. They're stepping out into their future. They're stepping out into their new identity as the people of God. And they stepped out into their problem and watched God do a miracle. Because you remember, the Jordan River is their first problem. It's their first moment where they could come to the river and, and get defeated again and say, oh, no, what are we going to do? We can't make it past this river. But in that moment, God says, step out into this problem. Step out into this moment and watch me do a miracle. See, when we step out into our victory, God meets us there. That's what he does. Now, I've often wondered, maybe like you do, God, why do you always wait for me to step out to give me victory? I mean, why do you always require a step of faith on my part? Why don't you just do it without me? Just, just do it, Lord. It's because that's not relationship. And God wants to partner with us. He's in relationship with us. And this is why God asks us to take a step of faith. And then he meets us there. This is why. It's so important because our step of faith is telling God and ourselves and the world some very important things. When we step out in faith, what we are telling God is, I trust you. I believe in you. You're all that I need. You will provide, God. I'm not following the world any longer. You're saying, God, I need your help. And lastly, you're saying, Lord, you are my source of victory. That's why we are called to make that step of faith. 
There's also something very important about stepping into our victory, and that is that the victory's already yours. See, when the priest stepped into the river, it wasn't the stepping out that made God change his mind and, and then decide to somehow give the Israelites victory. The victory was already theirs. He had already told them that he was going to go ahead of them. In verse 10, that he was going to drive out their problems ahead of them. And he, he lists all the people that he's going to drive out and all the problems. See, the victory was already theirs. They just had to step into the victory. When you step into victory in an area of your life, you need to understand that the victory has already been won. Technically, spiritually, the victory has already been won on the cross. Every defeated area of our life, every sinful area, every, every area of our life that does not glorify God has already been defeated on the cross. You and I simply have to claim it. When you step into your victory, you're actually telling yourself, and helping yourself understand something that has already been done for you. See, living in victory is who you are in Christ. It's your identity. As a believer in Jesus Christ, your identity is victory. But so often, we can let this world convince us that we should live in our past or we should live in our sin. And it takes that, that moment of convincing ourselves and living in our true identity that we understand that who we really are in Christ is a victorious person. What would you do if you had a time machine? If you had a time machine, what would you do? Would you go into the past and fix all your problems? Or would you go into the future and buy a book that lists all the sports winners over the next 50 years. That's what I'd do. And then I'd go to my hometown of Las Vegas, and I'd hit all the casinos, and I'd bet on all of the winners. Why? Because I already know who's going to win. The victory is already mine, because I already know who all the winners are. Did you know the same is true for you? In Christ, you're already a winner. You just have to stand in your victory. Start to become that person that stands in your victory instead of living in defeat. Because you already are a winner. Why? Because in the future, you've already won. Your future's already secure. Your future's already, uh, already been established in Christ. And in the future and in the present, you are, in Christ, victorious and a winner. So you can stand in that and live in it. The other thing that I love about verse 13 is it says that when the priests stepped into their victory, that God cut off the river. I like that. Verse 13 says, as soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. I like that because what it tells us is that God will always take care of all the barriers to your victory. If you'll walk with him and you'll stand in your victory and claim your victory, then you will see that God will take care of the barriers that you've allowed to be in your life 
that stop you from living victorious. See, every time you step out in faith, you are trusting Jesus to cut off the things that are holding you back. That's what you're doing. Every time you take a step of faith in Christ, a step of maturity in Christ, a step of purity in Christ, you are cutting off the things that are holding you back. That's what Colossians 2 says, verse 13 to 15. It says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. What a great verse. It says that all of the things that stand against us, Jesus has condemned. That he has already won the victory over them. That Jesus has taken away, he has cut off all the things in our lives that prevent victory. And he nailed them to the cross. That's why the cross is so important to our lives. Because the cross is our victory. And not only is it the victory, not only did Jesus take away our legal indebtedness, not only did he stand up against uh, our darkness and our sin, not only did he, did he condemn it and did he take it away, nailing it to the cross, but this verse also says that he condemned it, but that he also prevented victory and triumphed over anything in our life that could stop victory. We simply have to live in the triumph. We have to live in the victory. And then lastly, after you've stepped out into your victory, you must continue to stand in your victory. So you've purified your life. You're walking according to God's word. You're stepping out in faith and in victory. But lastly, you're going to have to stand in your victory too. The last verse of chapter 3 was verse 17. And it said this. The priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. See, the priests were commanded to stand in the middle of the river. Now, you'll remember what the river is. What's the river? The river's their first huge problem. And they're now called to stand in the middle of their problem. They're called to stand in the middle of the things that could have defeated them, and they're called to stand in victory. What was hindering them from victory, they are now standing in victory over. And if you want victory, then you will also have to stand in victory in the middle of your darkest challenges. You'll have to stand in victory in the middle of temptation. You'll have to stand for Jesus' righteousness and purity instead of giving into sin and being defeated. You'll need to do this over and over again until the victory is yours. 
Because while the rest of the world is going by and doing their own thing, you'll have to stand in your victory. See, when something has a strong hold on your life, it has that strong hold on your life because we've given into it over and over again. You will also have to stand in victory over and over again until that is not a struggle anymore. You will have to tell your sinful urges no and stand up against them and live in victory. In Titus 2, Titus said, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. See, when we stand in victory, we are declaring that our past has no hold on us, that we are moving into the present that God has for us, that God is our future, that Christ is our present and our future, and we will live in him. See, what we see in chapter 3 is God is doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing for the people of God in a new generation as the priests stand in the middle of the, vic- in the river in the middle of their victory. Their past was behind them. They're now moving into their life of victory in their future. And when you and I wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to stand for Jesus today, you're putting your past behind you. Now, we all have to do that. At some point, we have to put our past behind us and say, I'm not going to let my past dominate me. I'm not going to let my defeated state dominate me. Paul the Apostle did it in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. And you'll remember, Paul was this guy who was killing Christians before he came one. And he said, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. See, we'll have to do the same. We'll have to stand in our victory. In the middle of our trial, in the middle of our struggle, in the middle of our fear, in the middle of our sin, in the middle of our stronghold, we'll have to stand. You'll have to stand in victory and let God do a great work in you. Stand for Jesus every day and live in victory. Cooper shared a verse with us this morning, Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. You and I are victors. It is our identity. It's who we are in Christ. But we must take that step forward of purity, stand in our victory, and claim it for ourselves. I want to take a minute and and respond to God's word and to what the Holy Spirit may be doing right now in you. And so could you just put your things aside for a moment and just bow your head where you're at. I want you to take a moment and just think about the areas of your life that maybe you feel defeated in. Maybe it's a habit. 
or an action that's repetitive. Maybe it's just an attitude that creeps in. Or it's maybe a way of living that you embrace that just doesn't honor the Lord. Now, most likely, all of us have something like this in our lives, but the real question is, do you want victory over it? Do you want to purify your life, step out in victory, and stand in victory so that you can live in victory? In this moment, I believe that this could be a crucial moment for many of you in this room to see victory in your life that maybe you've never seen before. And I'm going to ask you to do something this morning that is just a moment between you and God, but could be that moment like you stepping out into your victory. And that is if there's something in your life that you just, you really want to claim victory over it, I'm going to ask you to stand and stand in victory over it. All right, let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for this moment that all of us had to realize our identity in Christ. That our identity in Christ is to live in victory. But Lord, many times we do have areas of our life that live in defeat. But today is a groundbreaking moment for these that are standing. Because right now, in this moment, they are declaring that they will step forward in purity. They'll step out into their victory, and they will stand in victory over those things that hold weight in their life over you. Lord, I pray for your deliverance. I pray for your forgiveness. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and help them to stand every single moment of the day. And I pray that they would also learn the spiritual battle of standing in victory. You may be seated. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We give you praise that your cross is our victory. What a miracle that you would leave heaven and come here to die for us. But you did it so we could live in victory. Lord, help each of us to live that way. Would you help each of us to notice those things in our world that try to attack us to 
get us not to live for you in the best way possible? And could we continue to step out into the victory that is ours in Christ and then stand in it every day as we live a pure life in your word? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We made it. We did it. Way to go. <laughs> well, thanks for coming to church this morning. It was great to see you, and I'm glad you were here. Have a great afternoon. It's a beautiful day. I hope you get out, get out and get to do something. Always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week. <laughs>